ladies, I'm getting um, almost half, uh, uh, I'm getting like a 450 megabits per second down while I'm also downloading a torrent at a meg and a half a second. Um, and my upload Are speed is torrenting also- the Bible, Christina Warren, because I, I haven't heard that torrenting <laughs> is, is bad. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I can't buy the Simpsons uh, soundtracks that I own on CD anyway, legally, <laughs> digitally, and I don't want to rip them, so I'm torrenting them. Um, that's fine. But yeah, my, my download speed, and this is while I was torrenting, was 450 megabits per second down, 519 megabits per second up. At this very moment, I'm fairly confident that my husband is um, DJing over NiceCast. I'm on a torrent. This is over Wi-Fi. This is not even connected. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Fiber is great is all I'm saying. Um, What does it feel like to be in the future? I mean, (laughs) it's great. But but here's the problem with the future, Simone. The the act of me getting cable television has been a ridiculous challenge. How so? Why? Well, uh, so I call Comcast, and they're like, yeah, we don't service your building. I'm like, no, but I was told by my building manager that people in the building have Comcast service. Well, your address isn't showing up. <laughs> Are you sure? Because it should be there. Well, it doesn't. So I'm like, okay, I guess you don't want this. Then we call CenturyLink, and CenturyLink is like, well, if you don't get a phone, you, the only way we'll give you cable TV is if you get phone or internet with us. And I'm like, but I already have internet through someone Excuse else. Excuse me? And so then I complain on Twitter and Comcast finally reaches out. And to their credit, they've been very nice. They went through the rigmarole. They found me in their system and said, oh, yes, someone in your building does have a business line and we can set up residential service. But then there's this whole complex thing where like the building address and the residence address are slightly different. I don't even know. I'm hopefully I'll get I'll get cable service um, installed on Saturday. We will see. I haven't tweeted like affirmations to Comcast yet because it hasn't happened. And even then, it will be affirmations that I can pay them $150 a month before tax Ah! um, for cable television. And the only reason I'm even paying that much is because they have a plan for $60 a month for all the stations I would want but not Showtime or HBO. Those are going to be another 15 each. So once I add that in and you get your other things involved, it's really not that much less than just getting the whole hog $105 a month for every channel they offer thing, right? That's but then, this, that That's insane. But then, but then huh, um, you have to pen, spend, um, what is it? You have to spend uh, $10 for HD, $10 for DVR, uh. $10 per extra box. So that's another $40 on top of what I'm spending, plus taxes and fees, which includes a local broadcast fee. All I'm saying is, is that if I lived in an owned and operated market like New York um, or Los <laughs> Angeles, I would be yeah. using Hulu Live, and that would be what I would be using. So this is why cable's losing, because it's expensive. And not only is it expensive, but when you try to get them to come to your house so that you can pay a ridiculously insane amount of money for television in the year 2017... Um, they, they make you go through a million hoops. Oh, and did I mention that I have to sign a contract for this? So I'm in, de- I'm, 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 I'm stuck with this for a year, but you know what? <sighs> it's fine. This will probably be my last year as a cable television subscriber. And as I've yeah. always said, I'm like the oldest, the only millennial left who still subscribes to pay TV. And this is why. Once, and this once is why are gone. you even doing it though? This is why I don't understand, Christina. Like you pay for Hulu and HBO and Netflix yeah. and everything. I mean, I want the what, live TV. What do you need? Really? I know it's ah. the comfort. It's, it's the comfort of having the stuff there. It's the live TV stuff, which is frustrating. Without it, we have the you know the antenna um, set up in the bedroom, and that's okay. But it's just. 
you know, you want it all connected to the same thing. It's basically just me being lazy. Is it like spontaneous viewing so that you can just put it on and like flip through rather than choosing something? Totally. I I, I get that. I get that. And and it's stupid and it's bad and I can't believe I'm spending all this money on it. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, all right, fine. You know, it's what? Christina Warren's white whale. You're out it there. It is trying my white to- whale. It is, I, I'm tra- here. I am out there, like a like a putz, like still trying, still paying for cable TV, like a moron. But the thing is, this is why they lose. And then Comcast has announced that they're going to have like a skinny bundle service where anybody will be able to get their internet TV. But the one caveat is that you have to have internet with them. And so if I if I actually Ugh. agree to have just internet with them, um, they would only charge me. Um, they would, I could probably get a bundle for significantly less, but the, but the problem with their internet is a, it's not fiber. I have fiber. Um, B they have data caps and their data caps are pretty significant. It's like one terabyte, which we would blow through like so quickly. It's like a joke, like a terabyte for us is a joke. And, um, the thing is, is that you can pay another $50 a month if you want no data cap. But like once you add that and plus all the other things, you know, I'm back to paying what I'm paying for cable and internet. So it is. I, you know, maybe in a year when your contract is up, Comcast will be dead. I mean, that will never happen. <laughs> I don't think that's very well. And, and honestly, yeah. Simone, you don't yeah. want that. To, you don't want that to happen. <laughs> Sell me on that, Simo- Simone. Well, because uh, Vox Media's biggest uh, um, investor is NBC Universal, which is a division of Comcast. Good point. I love Comcast. So you don't want it's that. my so favorite Comcast company. Is the best. We're one hundred percent Comcast. They definitely are the most loved company in America, show. and they live up to that yeah. every day. Every day. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh. And you know what I love about you, Simone? You didn't even know that. Like, <laughs> that's why you're the best. Like, that, that's, that's why, like, you're better than, like, so many, uh, like, other people. Like, I was always acutely aware of who all of the investors were for every, like, update where I was like, oh, yes, we have this thing from Time Warner, and we have this thing from Univision, and we have this thing from whatnot. Listen, like, it's I don't very know funny. where my money comes from, just like I don't know where it goes, Christina. I'm a simple woman, and I have simple, simple pleasures. <laughs> If see Christy, if you watch Simone's videos on Polygon, you would see she's far too busy <laughs> turning in the best work in the game industry over there to read some stuff in the Wall Street Journal about who's <laughs> no, buying I know. what company. I understand. Yeah. It's, it's it's so weird, and you're right. It, it but it is weird for me. It was like, oh, you mean yeah. everyone's not a business reporter? Like, <laughs> oh gosh, I, I see someone <laughs> pass me a post-it note every day that's like, this is who's giving you money today. <laughs> Uh, it it could be you Uh, anyway (laughs) speaking of uh, collusion (laughs) 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 we gotta start the show yeah okay okay hello and welcome to rocket accelerated geek conversation this episode is brought to you by casper and squarespace I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined, of course, by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, senior content project manager. They really just like gave you all the the words for jobs and put right? them in that see, title. See, I think I have a, a new title, Simone. I think I have a new title for you. So I was out doing a campaign event this week. And, like, I found myself, like, you know, like, I do colleges, right? Like, I talk to people at colleges. And I'm speaking to, like, a, a mega anime fan at a college. Like, somebody that's, like, really deep into it that just goes beyond my level of, like, Sailor Moon knowledge. And <laughs> this guy called me the Democratic Party best girl. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, that's right. I think that should be my new title. It's not Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> She's not Democratic Party best girl anymore. It's Rihanna <laughs> oh. Run. I mean, I think you know what you need to do, like really get active in that Reddit community, really use this <laughs> label to your advantage. Yeah. No, I think that's really smart. That new logo right now. Rihanna Yeah. Best girl, but in like a sparkly pink sort of bubble font, I think. That's that's it. I'm really that's proud it. of that's you. The way to go. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I feel very accomplished. Oh, oh my God. It's because you have the best costume changes, I think. Yeah. 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 And the I best don't fight think that's scenes, the way Congress to be works. honest. Like when, so- when you fight the other members of Congress, I always think that you're going to win. That would be great if you're just like Jupiter world shaking and then like you just launch a big thunderbolt beam at the Republicans. That'd be awesome. That's how all Congress hearings should go. Now I don't have a good segue because (laughs) uh, we took the intro of the show, starting the show, took away my good segue. But hey, how about that apple? Yeah. Okay, let me do better than that. So uh, recently, (laughs) Apple took down several of its VPN apps in the Chinese app store after pressure from the Chinese government. And so what we're going to talk about here is sort of our feelings on this, especially coming after uh, Apple's stand against the U.S. government last year, not wanting to put a backdoor in the iPhone so that they could access uh, terrorist text messages. Um, And sort of globally uh, what this means and how we feel about it. And it's definitely an interesting question because we even when we were just going over this uh, in our Facebook chat before the show started or when when we first read this article this week, um, it's such a complex issue that I, th- I, I definitely like have knee-jerk reactions to. And I'm really interested to hear both of your your takes on how you feel about the way that Apple interacts with the Chinese government versus Apple interacting with our American government. Well, I mean, uh, Christina, can I kind of give the, I, you know, I feel like I, I was worried about doing this topic with you guys because I want to kind of give the view that I think they have in China because, you know, my father-in-law, you know, he emigrated from here from China, you know, obviously being married to Frank, I, I feel like I understand that culture better than I did sure. a decade ago. So, but I'm worried about it because I don't want anyone to think I'm advocating this point of view because I'm sure. not. I'm just saying, you know, this is a show. This is a, you know, we, we try to give you information on the show. So I'm trying to give you both sides of this argument here. I, I think a lot of Americans really can't even neurocognitively process how much of a a hierarchical, top-down society uh, China is. I'll give you an example. The first time I went out to my father-in-law's house uh, when I was there and Frank and I were just dating, uh, there was a moment where I was ordered to go into the kitchen to wash dishes with the women (laughs) rather than sit down and talk about politics, which all the older men were doing there. It was just very jarring to me. Um, and then like you learn more about how the hierarchy works, like typically, uh, you know, the, the elder person of the family every year will get like red envelopes in money with it. 
and hand those out to family members to kind of show his care and, you know, like how he like cares for the family. Right. So it's, it's, it's a society that's still very based in Confucianism. And even though like here in the West, we have like an individual first F society kind of motto in China, it's very much the opposite. And even though it's changing a bit, it's not something that's magically going to go away in a generation or two. So I feel like what most people don't understand is China does censor to a certain extent, but they have a, a range of political thoughts and opinions, kind of like we have Republicans and Democrats, and they kind of argue and have discussions within that framework. Right. Um, if you go outside that framework, your comments will be deleted or what they call harmonized over there in China. And it's just part of this like 10, 15 year plan that the Chinese government has for where it's going, you know, as opposed to like the United States where we have no plan whatsoever. So even though I kind of agreed with the New York Times take, the Apple should have taken a stronger stance here. I also feel like knowing so many people from China, I feel like it's kind of not really realistic. Does that make sense to you guys? It makes, it makes total yeah. sense. And and I mean, I would say this. Look, they actually – I remember – I don't believe I ever wrote anything about this. But they, the law was passed in China um, basically outlawing VPNs. This was this was a, a passed back in January of 2017. And, and it's only now that it's kind of gone into effect. But um, a, a coworker of mine who I work with really closely, she's originally from China and, and she's been in the United States for about seven years, but she's, you know, she's actually going home in a few weeks to renew her visa. And she and I were talking, she and I were talking a few weeks ago about how they're really cracking down on the Great Firewall and, and, and making VPNs harder to use. And her take was kind of like, well, you know, the government's going to do this, but people will find ways around it. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the weird push and pull that, that, that China has, right, is that there is censorship and there are laws that are kind of taking place where it has become more open. And from what I understand, and, and, and you would have a better perspective than I would, Bree, but from what I understand from knowing people there and from talking to things and reading things, you know, as things have become more open, it's almost kind of freaked the government out a little bit where you have, you know, people so frequently using VPNs to access outside services that they are really wanting to kind of put more of the kibosh um, not just for their own kind of, you know, maybe to censor things, but also to encourage the use of primarily, you know, Chinese-owned and operated services. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is just, I, I understand why it would be difficult from a political perspective for Apple to fight back on this. And I also understand, you know, there, there are arguments to be made that from a business standpoint, it would be catastrophic for Apple to say, well, we're not going to adhere to the law here. Like, I agree with that. Like, if the alternative, if you have only two choices, we, you know, remove the VPNs from the store or the iPhone isn't available in China or, or the app store isn't available in China, then obviously you remove the, the VPN apps. I guess I would say my perspective, and, and, and I think why this is problematic, is that I think that from an optics perspective, from a PR perspective, this looks really bad for Apple because they did spend so much of the last year um, and even before that, really kind of selling themselves publicly as the company that will make the hard choices in order to do the right thing. I want and- to kind of ask about the the optic optics aspect of it, because this New York Times piece quotes a, um, a human rights activist uh, named Xiao Chiang, who is basically making the point that maybe they do have to comply with this law, but 
they could make a statement about it. Do you feel that that is, how how do you feel about that stance, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think obviously that then becomes a difficult thing from a business perspective, right? Like China is an incredibly important market to Apple, not just for hardware, but also for services. So Apple Music, you know, launched in China, um, I guess it was like the end of 2015, and that was a really big deal. And recently they've had to remove their movies and I think, you know, bookstore from China, and they've been trying to get it back in. I don't know what the status of that is. Maybe it is back in, but I know as of like six months ago, they'd had to to remove their content and that was a big deal and they were actively trying to get um, content back there again. But um, so, I mean, I think at that point it does make it, you know, if you're a business, you have to kind of weigh the advantages of, of outwardly maybe speaking against something um, in a way that could harm your relationships if you are trying to get your services more deeply embedded. But that is right there in and of itself, the definition of a hard problem. And I think from an optics perspective, this is where I have, I guess, an issue with it. I don't have a problem with Apple adhering to, to, to you know, state laws, um, you know, nation state laws, regardless of, of what country they're in. I think that that's completely fine. What I think, though, is is a problem optically, and and I don't think that the Tim Cook's statements, you know, during the earnings call really address this. And I don't think any of the, you know, kind of fanboys who are coming to Apple's defensive really address this. And, and just as an aside, like, I'm all for for people like being fans of their favorite companies and whatnot, but like. Apple is the richest company in the world and has and employs yeah. <laughs> very smart people. They, they they don't need you to write a blog post to defend them. Is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like it's fine if you want to, but like you. Anyway, that's a that's a completely unrelated side, and that goes for any of these major corporations, by the way. But um, you know, I do think that the problem is is that as I said. They've spent a significant amount of time, even before Apple FBI, but especially since then, kind of publicly saying we we will make the hard decisions and to 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 do the right thing, and it does kind of go at odds with that. If if you're not going to make a statement, like I agree, kind of with with the with the human rights activists who said it would be nice if Apple made a statement, and instead, you know, Tim Cook's statement was kind of like when it's appropriate, we'll let our opinions be known and and whatnot, and it. You know the the problem. I was ta- I was talking with Josh Centers, who as managing editor at Tidbits. We were talking over Twitter about this, and and we both kind of had the same opinion. And his take was, you know, he kind of longed for the Steve Jobs days because Steve Jobs was very adamant about like, well, we're going to do what's best for the company, um, even if it doesn't. Whatever makes Apple the most money, we're going to do. He had kind of that kind of, that that sort of perspective. Tim Cook doesn't, and and I think. Um, Honestly, that that Tim Cook, that having not having that, you know, all for one, you know, perspective is obviously better. It makes you like a nicer company, um, but it does mean when you make the pragmatic choices of doing what's best for your company, go at odds with your PR campaign of mm-hmm. we will make the hard choices. And and that's 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 my only kind of comment is that I think that this wouldn't be as big of a deal if there hadn't been so much written and so much expressed by you know their own statements. Um, about how they would fight to do the right thing. And and honestly, there are, you know, look, Amazon is, is complying with this too. Um, Google's not because Google is not uh, in China. Um, and that was the decision that Google made um, about a decade ago uh, to not be in China because of these sorts of things. There are Google Play, you know, services, and I think they're working on getting the Google Play store there, but, but by and large, Google services are not in China, and that's hurt them in some ways. Um, some would argue that, you know, Google never had a chance to win China anyway, that, that at that point, Baidu and some of the other, and Tencent and some of the other uh, Alibabas of the world were already on their way to usurping them, and, and they wouldn't have had a chance. But I mean, this is one of those things where you can kind of say, if you don't, 
um, if, if you really care about doing the right thing, you won't do business in a place. And, and obviously, that's not a position Apple can't, is, is going to take. And I'm not claiming that they should take right. it. I just, but I, this is all. where I have, to, I have to give just a little bit of pushback here. And sure. again, I'm not advocating. I am not advocating. I'm not advocating this position. But I am – I would say that the right thing as we're talking about this here is really from a very Western point of view. Yes, Do you know absolutely. At the, at the height of Gamergate, uh, there were articles written about what happened to me and the other women of Gamergate in, in China. And they were using it as an um, example of how their policies online are the correct ones. Ooh. <laughs> because they, well, yeah, which is very uncomfortable. But, I mean, think about it from this point of view. Like this, like anonymous attacking of women online, of doxing them, of, do you know what I mean, going yes. after them, mm-hmm. of inflicting terror on them? That's not an issue that they have in China. I'm not advocating that policy, but I'm saying from their point of view, they see that's our very fair. internet and the way that it acts, and they're like, "Holy God, this is this is terrible." That this kind of is yeah. a, a real into mess. What I've been thinking about with regards to this, which is that as an American, I don't know. I, I could not plot myself into any country in the world and know how best to be an activist in that country. Right, I feel right. like Apple obviously has roots here in America and understands its relationship with our American government. What I think I would like to see in situations like this, if a if a company wants to be seen as a global leader for for online freedom and independence in that way, I would hope that they would work with activists in the countries where they're based and figure out what that country what the what the people of that country need because yeah. it is like you can't just I, I feel like you can't have a a blanket sort of stance and then enact it especially when you're doing business in all these very very different places but you can sort of put down roots among communities that are doing the work that you say you are interested in and learn how best to deal with that. And maybe that means they made the same decision that they made. Maybe it means they make a statement. Maybe it means they make a totally different decision. I don't know because I I don't think what I'm talking about is something that exists in the world. But it it definitely like it's something that I think companies need to think about, especially when like the point that stood out. The point that stood out to me most in this New York Times piece was that this decision maybe Apple's maybe a good decision for Apple in China right now, but it also is looked at by country by other countries like Russia, by yep. like the United States, and as, they as can them, take that and sort of yes, they run will. with the idea it, that this worked here, maybe it could work somewhere else as well. And that's a lot of pressure to put on one company, which Apple is, but it, but they're also a big company, and, yeah, it, and there's, there's a trickle down. I mean, I would say too, and we've already seen that happen. I mean, just just I think it was yesterday uh, as we're recording this. Uh, you know, Putin announced that they are going to be enacting VPN laws in Russia, and so these sorts of things will continue. And, and Apple's presence in Russia is already limited. Like, I'm not even sure. If, I mean, they they obviously people there are our iPhone users in Russia, but uh, I, I I think it was, and I haven't checked in about a year, but they weren't actually selling the phones there. There were some there were some problems selling phones huh. um, there uh, uh, they you know it's easy for people to get because it's it's part of the EU and whatnot but 
there have been other um, kind of kind of issues around that. But I would say, too, when we talk about like longer term problems, I would say even though I think, and I'm not faulting the position that they're taking. If you're following the law, you're following the law. We can debate how much or how little they can say and, and what that would impact their business. But I do think that from a long term perspective, you know, not fighting back or not be, taking a stronger stance there is a problem here by not having those services available when people want them. And, and this, that is the point that I do wonder, obviously they're making this decision because they want to continue to sell iPhones and, and Apple products in China, right? Like that's obviously uh, the, the, the goal. You want to continue to do that. China is a very important market to Apple. But I do wonder long-term like what the impact is when you don't have these sorts of services available on your iPhone, if that diminishes um, the demand for the iPhone, because yeah. at this point, if you buy an Android device, um, you know, even if, again, like Google could remove those things and that's fine. People in, in China aren't using Google Play. They're using one of the bajillions of other app markets. And, 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 and because of how Android's made, it's very easy to get apps in an alternative way. Um, on the App Store, you know, that is possible. People can sideload if you have developer accounts or whatnot and, and, and you can, you know, install them through Xcode or, or whatever. Like there are ways for people to do it. It takes more more steps, but, but people can do it. But there, because, you know, John Gruber kind of mentioned this in his um, kind of article about it, you know, there isn't a, the only way that software is distributed through the iPhone is, is through the App Store. And, and uh, you know, uh, unless you have something like jailbreaking or, or other things going on. I do wonder, like, long-term what the impact of not having this sort of thing is because if people are going to find a way to get around these, uh, you know, VPN issues and these firewalls anyway, does that mean, does that attract their, their, their interest in the iPhone? And I don't know the answer to that. But I would think that if, you know, there's a certain status yeah. symbol. I mean, I would think that if you're interested in that, like Android is going to be your operating system, right? Sure, like, but, it, but, but I guess just, I'm saying, yeah. but, right, but, but that hasn't historically been the case. Until, you know, like this week, you could have an iPhone and still have a VPN app. And so I guess what right. I'm wondering is like, if you're looking down, you know, six quarters from now and you're looking at iPhone sales in China, are you going to see a negative impact because people can't do that? Because from what I understand, and I, I again, I don't have direct figures, but from what I understand, a significant portion of connected people in China use VPNs and use ways to get around the firewall. So I, I, I don't know like what the long-term impact is of not having these things available. And I think that that's something you know, that Apple will have to grapple with. Already they've seen their sales in China fall and they, on, on the earnings call, uh, Tim Cook basically blamed, you know, Hong Kong um, for for most of the sales being down, but but we've seen it kind of fall over time. You know, the the, the, right. the China sales aren't as strong as they've been, and so I wonder, you know, if the status symbol of an iPhone will be enough for the the people who are usually kind of the earliest adopters. I have to think there's a correlation between people who will go out and buy a new iPhone and people who are going to be using a VPN. And I do wonder like what impact that has. Just that's just a question. And again, I don't think that changes Apple's position, but I do wonder what impact that will have. I think I think like just like here in the United States, um, we're kind of used to our kind of shocking prison policies, right? Like the United States has more people in jail than any country in the history of the world. And we're just kind of used to it. Yeah. Right. I right. think in that same way, you know, most people in China are used to these policies and kind of take them for granted. So I do think there's a, a section of people out there clearly that don't agree with that. And would be looking elsewhere, but I I can't imagine that that would be like a driving force with the iPhone. And one thing that the New York Times article said that really seemed very common sense to me 
is, you know, people in China, if they do have access to the app store, even with some government censorship, those apps and that content does give them perspectives that they wouldn't get without it. And I think that that does have tremendous value. Now, clearly, it's like one of the things that the the Chinese government has done is like force Apple to remove the New York freaking Times from the App Store. It's impossible for me to think of any reason for that. Like, you know, like this is a fairly neutral a completely unradical newspaper, like is right. the most, like it's just facts, right? And it's hard for me to think of any reason to justify that. But knowing what I do about, you know, like the the mindset in China, it is my guess that constructive, polite engagement is the best way forward. To, like, I think, like, if they did write a statement condemning the government. I think that would be tremendously counterproductive knowing what I do about that government. And I just think like working with them, being polite, but slowly pushing the boundary. My opinion is that's kind of a, it's a, it's completely justifiable course of action here. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper, a company focused on sleep. They make the perfect premium mattress, and they sell it online for a fraction of what it would cost in a store. My best friend is visiting me right now from Washington, so he gets to sleep on my Casper mattress for like a month. And let me tell you, I have heard praises that he's probably listening at the door right now. He probably has his ear pressed against the door. <laughs> oh, God, he's scratching at the door. He wants to get back to the mattress. He wants the mattress. Oh, God. Casper's mattress is incredible. It's breathable. It is firm. And yet soft, and it is sold at a shockingly fair price. You are advised to have your smelling salts handy when you see the price of a Casper mattress. It is affordable, my friends. And it is delivered right to your house in a box. I see their ads on the subway. They have, like, white glove service and they bring it to your house they brought it to my house and they carried it in i didn't notice gloves but that's fine i don't observe those things i want them to wear gloves for you my friends because that sounds like a fancy fancy experience they have an average of 4.8 stars across more than thirty thousand online reviews that is freaking wild i really do love this mattress it is something that I'm so grateful I've had the opportunity to try and I enjoy every time I have somebody come over making them lie on it and then making them tell me the compliments. And that that's how I, that's kind of how I like get through the day is by having people compliment my Casper mattress and tell me that it's a good decision. I really appreciate that sort of feedback. So also my best friend has like chronic bad sleep problems and he's actually slept okay since he's been sleeping on this mattress. So I'm going to take that correlation as causation thank you my friends buying a casper mattress is super easy and in fact you can try one for a hundred nights you just sleep on it for a hundred nights and you decide if you want it and then you just freaking keep it forever and you recycle their beautiful blue box i was walking the other day on the upper east side and i saw like three casper boxes in the recycling because of course in new york we put our garbage on the street um, so they're out there. They're out there in the wild. You don't have to find someone with a Casper mattress to try it, though. As I said, you could get one for yourself. Just try it out. 
there's no risk. You just sleep. What's safer than sleep? You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rocket and using the code rocket at checkout. Thank you so much, Casper, for your support of the show and Relay FM and for this incredibly comfortable mattress. And now your pillows. And now the fact that you ship to the UK as well as the US and Canada. Yeah. I love you, Simone. Never change. You're welcome. Never. You're you're Casper Mattress's best girl. I'm just saying. <laughs> you really are. Casper Mattress is my best girl. Oh, okay. God. There we go. There we go. Oh my god. I I was just thinking about like how there's so many anime body pillows and how if Casper Mattress was an anime character and it were my best girl. I wouldn't really even need like a body pillow because I just have the mattress and that's what I would sleep on <laughs> instead of the body pillow of an anime girl. Speaking of girls, <sighs> it wasn't my best work, guys. Let's just call it a night. Uh, so there's a really interesting piece published on The Verge by Lizzie Pelagic on the genius culture team over there about uh, Patreon accounts for erotic and nude photos. The women who make their livings off of having Patreons and then getting Patreon subscribers for private Snapchat accounts and like letting them in on em- emotional labor, essentially, uh, like rewards of interaction and special snapchats and things like that it's really interesting and i did not actually know that this was an economy that existed on patreon uh until i read this article and that's apparently a problem because patreon doesn't surface uh not safe for work accounts in their explore tab but on the other hand is also one of the only companies that lets women make money off of not safe for work photographs because paypal and venmo are both anti anti nudity <gasps> nudity, nudity? Oh, nudity. No. oh my god oh. nobody oh, wants my that goodness i'm gracious. sorry i'm wow. sorry I, was is that sh- I, I take it back we're not going to talk about nudity today here on this show <laughs> can i give you guys a side note before we even start this topic i yeah. find so much <laughs> this week on twitter where somebody here in Massachusetts, so I follow a Twitter account called Artistic Nudes that just posts artistic nude photos. And there's nothing like, you know, I mean, it's it's art and it's beautiful. And I happen to favorite one of the nude photos. And I got so much nasty mail sent to me because of, apparently it shows up in people's timelines. And I'm I just hate like, that feature, by the way. <laughs> But it's like, it's like, I, are we still doing this in 2017? Like, can you not appreciate? Like, I, I just, I don't get it. And I, 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 you know, part of the story, Simone, is like hearing that PayPal is stepping in and forcing all these women to like uh, force their subscribers to go through other means because they don't want to be paid through PayPal, which just seems ridiculous to me. I mean, are we still a Puritan country? I don't get it. Yes. <laughs> for, yeah, apparently. for all time because we can't handle – our, our delicate sensibilities can't handle nudity. And that's one of the reasons I really liked this piece is because Lizzie was able to write about it in a way that 
doesn't doesn't shame these women for having this as a source of income, um, which is one of the the nuances that I really liked about it. And one of the other points that stuck out to me was that one of them had 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 a Facebook page, but sort of became a victim of Facebook's real name policy and obviously was reluctant to send in her identification to prove that she was a real person on Facebook, which is I, that policy is difficult and thorny for so many reasons. But like this is another one is that obviously if you're doing this work, you don't necessarily want to give any corporation any ammunition or information on you. And you, in fact, want to keep that for most people, uh, including potentially your subscribers, which is another one of the issues that these women face. I, what was your take on this, Christina? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I thought I thought that, um, I mean, obviously it's interesting, like that Patreon can't officially support this stuff because as you said, you know, PayPal and some of the other um, uh, payment providers have rules against this. But part of what's interesting to me is that this is really just kind of the most modern take on what's been happening basically since the internet existed. I mean, since like Jenny Cam and, and some of the early, um, uh, you know, women um, on the internet who have been doing stuff like this. You know, it, it was interesting. Some of the people interviewed in the piece, you know, used to work at Suicide Girls and used to have other outlets. Um, I think what's also interesting, what, they, what, what Lizzie's piece was great, but what was um, omitted, what I thought was an interesting, also kind of side hustle, and it's not um, erotica in the sense of its photographs, but there is a whole community of people who do erotic writing that is based on Patreon. Um, it, but whether it's like original stuff or fanfic or whatnot, and I've, I've kind of noticed that that's been kind of a community of, of things that has uh, kind of cropped up. And I think that's actually really interesting as, as a use case too, where people will offer their stories early or do exclusives for Patreon people that they will then maybe eventually, op- you know, put on places like AO3 or, or Wattpad or whatever, but, or, or other services or good, you know, publish, mm-hmm. self-publish or whatever, but we'll kind of do it um, as kind of a subscription way of, of offering writing. And I think that's interesting too, that there is kind of this, this uh, kind of closet, not closet, but I guess, um, underground or more underground kind of economy mm-hmm. kind of um, created using Patreon. And, and I think it's interesting to see how Patreon is dealing with this, right? Because obviously, I mean, we you, you see this with a lot of um, uh, you know services as, as as people start to find ways to give money to things where they do kind of run up against. Okay, how does this come against the terms of service and whatnot? Because getting payment processors for uh, information that could that could be considered you know adult uh, can be really difficult. And so I, I think that's that's kind of the interesting challenge. I guess I don't understand why it is so difficult for company a i can't even understand how if you're using venmo for this like how you would get caught b i don't understand why it is against the terms of service for paypal and venmo um i think that there are age restrictions and there are certain things in certain countries i don't know honestly i mean comes down to puritanical Mm -hmm. uh sensibilities i think is what it comes down to but but some of those countries you know will like some of the many of those companies do have very strict things that says we will not be used for certain purposes and a lot of that stuff some of it can come down to you know uh we won't let you make payments in in other countries uh where a lot of illegal activity happens and some of it will come down to we don't one adult content and so you have like a whole like you know like microcosm again of of uh you know like payment providers who service adult websites um and so but but that but those are are often charged you know extra fees and are more difficult to use and don't have all the great features that you would get in something like this i think it's interesting too how people are using um the more you know safe for work uh 
tools like Instagram, there's a big one that was mentioned repeatedly in the piece to kind of sell access to the other things. And, oh, you can have access to my Snapchat. You can have access to my you know, private Instagram where you can have access to my Patreon where I'll show other things. I, I think that's kind of an interesting uh, economy thing. And I've heard of people like, you know, a lot of cosplayers um, do that on Instagram and, 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 you know, say, oh, follow my Patreon if you want to see Mm-hmm. additional things. Yeah, like each one will right. have a, a Twitter account where they'll post censored versions of the photos or an Instagram with censored versions of the photos and then yeah. the subscribers to Patreon obviously get like the the full shebang. I, I, yeah, <laughs> oh, well, nothing, but of course. Everything. <laughs> but I the mean, funny what thing. I don't, what I don't understand here is, you know, I think about this all the time, Christina. Like when we had these kind of puritanical attitudes about these things, I remember being a teenager and being in my 20s and thinking, oh, thank God, one day my generation is going to be in charge and we will not have these weird <laughs> right. illogical hangups. And we are like, we built these systems. <laughs> like, we just did. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I, I, I legitimately cannot understand how this is still an issue. I legitimately don't understand the wing of feminism that just like wants to quash out like sex and like, like I I I can't even process it. it. I don't get it either. And it's interesting where I think you even see though, like younger people sometimes having those, those views and it depends on where they're raised and depends on their backgrounds and whatnot. But you know, there, there does seem to be like waves of movements of, of how people feel about, about sexuality. Mm -hmm. And, and you think you would think that as you know, the younger, younger people would be more comfortable with it, but sometimes it does get more puritanical. I mean, this is unrelated to this topic, but just as an example, so on Sunday, I saw the 35th, and I saw the, the film Fast Times at Ridgemont High in the theater. They were doing a 35th anniversary oh, screening. Oh, yeah. Now, now, A, that made me feel really old um, <laughs> because, I mean, I, I wasn't born when it was, when it, when it was in theaters. I've never but I've seen, seen it. Seen, yeah. It's a really great film. Um, the thing is, is that the film, it, Amy Heckerling, who went on to direct Clueless, directed it, and it was, the screenplay was written by Cameron Crowe based on his novel, uh, or not novel, his, I guess, actual, like, first-person account, kind of the, the same thing. Um, and it's, um, you know, but, but the film was made in, in 82 and it was basically created to kind of be like a microcosm of, of I've used that word so many times now, but it was basically a time capsule of what, you know, teenagehood, high schoolhood was like in, in the 80s in California. And it is one of the quintessential high school films. It's a great film. It is also a movie that absolutely could not be made today. It was rated R, but it absolutely, even with an R rating, that there is no way that movie would get uh, greenlit today at all. There's no Why? way. Why? Because there is nudity, um, there is loss of virginity by a 15-year-old, and he's in his 20s, and it's unapologetic in how it happens. There is an abortion, um, again, that is treated in a way where it's it's something that happens, but it's not like a whole grief-stricken thing. It's just kind of something that happens, and she gets through it and goes on. There's no shame about sex is the biggest thing. And in high school movies today, even with R ratings, if you could even get an R rating for a high school film, which is a whole other story, but even if you could get an R rating, high school movies today, and basically since the mid-90s, um, I, I would say American Pie was the last time there was any sort of like, and that was really controversial with the pie stuff and any sort of discussion of of self-love. Like that was really controversial at the time. But if you look at like kind of the wave of how movies have, have happened, we don't address those things. On television, 
If yeah. a teenager has sex, a girl, a girl, let's be clear, boys have more leeway. There is immediately a consequence and, and it can't be expressed uh, happily. It has to be, there has to be a consequence to it. It has to stop. You know, it has to be a, oh, I made a mistake and we've had a discussion. Like you, it, it but there's, there's no like just the acceptance of what happens in reality, which is people do it and enjoy it and, and live their lives. And so for a film that was made in the 80s that was very popular, that became kind of a cult hit that built the careers of, of Sean Penn and, and of Jennifer Jason Lee and of Phoebe Cates and of other people, um, that couldn't be made today because there are not the consequences that you, the moral consequences you would expect for sexuality that would have to happen in a teenage movie today. I mean, t- perfect example is the film Easy A, you know, which uh, uh, gave, uh, you know, Emma Stone her mm-hmm. career. Yeah. Great film, right? But the whole point of that film is that he, everybody thinks that she's not a virgin, but she really is. Yeah. And she remains one the whole time, you know, and that's kind of like, we we look up to that. And and that's, so it's it's a very weird thing where even in 35 years, I look at a film like Fast Times, couldn't be made today. And that's incredible that 35 years later, even, even 20 years after, um, it probably couldn't have been made, but I'm pretty um, sure every like modern parent has had that moment of, I I'm just speaking anecdotally, of course, has had that moment of going back and watching a film, a like kids film from the eighties and like having a huge swear dropped in it and being like, right. Oh God, <laughs> right? because it's changed so or, much. Like, but, some but, but, random but, boobs. It's like, Oh God, even like that long ago, it, it was very culturally different. I don't yeah. remember it, of course, we, being we, born we, in 1990. Weirdly, it, it's weird that we like to think that we've become so much more progressive and so much more liberal and so yeah. much more open. Yeah. But if you yeah. really look back, like at least from a film perspective and a culture's perspective and television, things have become much more conservative. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I would say, too, um, and then I'll shut up. Uh, one of the interesting things I, I got from the piece, though, um, I like you guys' take on was the piracy angle, right? Because there was yeah. like yeah, people that was talk really about, interesting. I thought I hadn't even thought of that, but like we we've seen it again in adult video stuff, or at least I have. I'm outing myself here, where like you know people will will rip you know the subscription stuff and upload it other places. But I hadn't even thought that people have whole subreddits dedicated to Patreon girls where they will you know rip their content and put it up. And I wonder, you know, some of them feel like, oh, it, it promotes me and, and gives people a taste and will bring people in. And some of the other, um, you know, uh, uh, women were like, no, actually, that's just flat out theft. And that, but, but that becomes kind of like an interesting question. Like, how do you deal with the piracy angle? You know, I mean, that has to be kind of a catch 22 with some of this stuff, right? Is, is that, you know, how much, like people have to, I, I think that puts additional pressure on the creators to have to put out more and more content and make the content more worthwhile so that people aren't just, mm-hmm. you know, going to get, going to surf the, the, the Reddit thread. And it get already sounds stuff. like it's a like really Simone's, hard job, yeah. but go on. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it sounds like what you were saying, Simone, about the emotional labor involved with that, mm-hmm. where it's good. That's what she said. It was, it was yeah. all about doing that's the, she the said. work to get out there and make those, <laughs> and make those connections title. with people. That's it. That's it. No, but you know, it's just I, – I really want to back up what you were saying earlier, Christina, with like this is exactly the same as it was with cam girls like mm-hmm. very early on with the internet. And it's not that far off from what, you know, Playboy bunnies used no. to do. Like they would oh, send yeah. out like autograph pictures to like mega fans if you paid X number of dollars. So, I mean, it's all just part of this same basic need that's kind of like baked into the human condition. And I don't know. I think what I'd like about the Patreon model is it's not asking 
these women to get involved with some, you know, shady dude that's going to take There's a no huge There's no in-between, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that they're it's in control like of their own destiny. the power. Right. Yeah, well, I love um, that. Now, that's also the downside that of they're going to have to, like, deal with all the weird chasers and stalkers. But I don't know. I just – you know, this is art, and I just I, – I, I really appreciate that Patreon is doing the work to stand up for this because, you know, sex work is work, and I just – I think that's awesome. That is so – speaking of, I guess, the, the personal involvement aspects, clearly it, the piracy on Reddit is still a problem. But I feel like if you – what you essentially have is a community that you have fostered mm-hmm. here in your Patreon followers right. – I feel and I would hope that it becomes easier to like suss out a leaker if there is one because I mean people are not that clever about their friggin usernames but then on the <laughs> other hand it also becomes well, do, do I want it? to kick this person out who may be paying me X amount of money a month even if it's just a right. dollar like that still becomes a tricky situation and it's got to be really difficult to navigate as a as a business person. I mean, yeah, and I, I think the way some of them probably do it is again. I mean, cam girls really perfected this model um, in, in in the late in in the late nineties and early aughts. Is you know, kind of the ones who are really successful, and obviously this takes more time and and this doesn't scale that well. But are the ones who kind of create those personal relationships with their with their patriot with their with their patrons mm-hmm. and and who will do the phone calls and, and answer the messages and have that one on one kind of interaction. And that's probably what builds your loyalty. I would have to think, but I don't know. You know, but I I know that that's how like a lot of cam girls um, made a living was you know doing phone calls and, and doing private video chats and those are the sorts of things that you know a photo can be easily copied and and shared around and and even if you find out who's ripping your stuff I mean what are you gonna do like kick them out and if you kick them out they could just come back with another username mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah. like like yeah the, whereas that, if you have like a thirty minute phone call with someone. Or if you're, that, or if you're, you can't you know, recreate that. <laughs> or if you're, I, you're, if, if you're, you know, messaging with them back and forth and having that sort of interaction, then that's something that some people might really get something out of. You know, they they feel like, oh, I have this this more personal connection and this is important to me, and maybe that's worth paying for. Yeah. But to your, but to your point, you know, earlier about like what kind of investment this caught that this creates from both the emotional level and from a time level, you know, some of these girls are making okay money and some of them aren't. You know, the person who's you know, talking about making, you know more than $3,000 a month, you know, on Patreon, on the surface, that sounds great. You're like, oh, I wish I could make $3,000 a month just doing photos and stuff. But it's like, you have to think about all the, (laughs) but, 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 you know, but, but but, all the time and effort that goes into that, not just taking the photos, staging the photos, doing the makeup, doing all that stuff, but, but, you know, interacting with the patrons, answering the questions, doing all that other stuff. I mean, it can become more than a full-time job. And if you're looking at it from that perspective, then that's actually not that much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm glad that these stories are being told. And I'm glad that these, like Brie was saying, that people don't have to go through maybe sleazy middlemen and are able to kind of create their own destinies. I think that's great. I think it's great that a woman can choose her profession. End of story. So yeah. I mm-hmm. think that's great. <laughs> This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace, where you can enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase and make your next move with Squarespace faster and stronger than the other guy. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea so you can dominate the internet sphere. Your domain will be unique. Your templates are award-winning and more. 
Whether you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do that. Having messed around with other website builders, I really have to say that after getting to know Squarespace, I friggin' love it. I'm never leaving. I <laughs> am so upset. I, I was able to update my website just the other day for the first time in a while because like stuff doesn't happen to you every day that lets you update your website, but I was able to do it. I was able to get back in there. And even after being off it for a few months, not having any news, I still had it. I still knew exactly how to use my friggin' Squarespace. It's lovely and fun and intuitive to use. And it lets you do whatever you want. If you have a problem with it, you they have 24-7 customer support help you out. And of course, they let you grab a unique domain name and browse through their beautiful, beautiful templates. You can choose the one that's right for you and post whatever beautiful things that you want on your new website. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. You can do that. Just go there, start a trial, build your website, fall in love with it, you keep it for two weeks, boom, that's fun. And then when you do decide to sign up, you can use offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for ROCKET. And then we will thank you and angels will sing and Squarespace will be like, hey, welcome. How can we help you be successful online? Oh, you figured out how to use the tools yourself. Okay, we'll just go over here for 24 hours a day, seven days a week and support other customers because you've got it all figured out, Rocket Listener. No shame if you don't, but you probably do. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support. Let me just go ahead and say squarespace.com offer code ROCKET one more time to erase the egg voice from your mind. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Squarespace. I had, a, I had a Rocket listener DM me this week and ask if I was going to have Simone do a campaign ad for me. For, for Brianna Rue. Yeah, She's going like, to what make would that Congress even look a better like? place. I don't... Oh, God. You I can't even process that. Her. Yeah. Brianna oh. Rue for Congress. She'll go in there. <laughs> She's your best girl. She'll show you all her fighting moves. She's got a Nerf gun. She doesn't do bring it to Congress. Gun. It's illegal. She's <laughs> all business. <laughs> she has good policies. Oh. She talked back Never to changed. the Democrats when they said that they were considering funding pro-life candidates. She said, that's not <laughs> cool with me, Brianna Boone. That's right. I did. That's true. Uh- <laughs> 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 oh my god. I've lost it. I've lost, lost my it. mind. Uh, Christina, do you want to introduce topic three? No, please do it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so HBO got hacked. <laughs> oh, sh- shoot. Uh. <laughs> 1.5 terabytes of, of data is what the hackers have said that they took, claimed that they took from HBO. And among those, uh, they have boasted about leaking full episodes of upcoming, I I almost said Thrones, shows such as Thrones. So let's just say upcoming Thrones. 
Um, Upcoming Thrones. The biggest rated show on all of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and then it's weird. Everybody's talking about how huge one and a half terabytes of data is. And let's be clear, it's not a small hack, but that's not that big. But it's Game of Thrones, which like adds, it adds data to the, it adds weight to the data because it's so, well, it it's well, such a big it's deal. Well, it, 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 yes, exactly. It's scripts. They but actually I mean, pirated it in like 360p, but because <sighs> of the cultural weight, it added right. that many it, more. It added, it added, it added so <laughs> many megabytes. Yeah, no, it was just funny because I, I think of in terms of like the Sony hack and I think about how many like, <laughs> yeah. how, how many gig, how many hundreds of gigabytes of emails I downloaded <laughs> when that happened. Oh. Um, but no, I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, but, but uh, it, it, it's, uh, this is in a lot of ways kind of, I mean, obviously there isn't the geopolitical aspect like there was with the Sony hack where there was, so when Sony was hacked at the end of, what was it, 2014, um, it was, you know, allegedly done by, by a, uh, a, uh, people in uh, in North Korea uh, associated with uh um people um associated with, what was that terrible movie the oh um oh, the uh, dictator the interview. The, interview. the interview yeah exactly the interview um and and you know full full movies which were on servers were, were leaked I, Annie was one of them I recall there were a couple of others you know then there was the gigabytes upon gigabytes of, of personnel information going really far back uh, obviously lots of email from executives including the CEO and the, uh, the head of the president of Sony Pictures and, and Channing was a lot Tatum let's we Channing, forget well, I, it, Channing Tatum's email was great but there were a that lot of really so good emails good. there oh, I feel so bad because so I'm there. like so I, uh, in these past few weeks I've always been like oh the hacking is bad we need to be safe but when it comes to the Sony hack I lose all objectivity because I laughed oh, yeah, there was so much good <laughs> Well, there weeks. was so much good stuff in it. I mean, it was really interesting. But, but this is kind of like that level. It's only a, one and a half terabytes, but it's still a lot of data. But, you know, in addition to at least one Game of Thrones script, um, there was employee data. And, um, uh, you know, what they're saying is that uh, this is from the latest dispatch that, that Variety posted uh, as uh, this morning. Thousands of home box office or HBO internal company documents. And so, uh, but we know that, that because they did a DMCA takedown notice that it wasn't just um, secret information about shows, but also information about the employees. And that's where this becomes really bad, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that people's personal health service records, you know, newspaper subscriptions, online accounts, online banking information, all of, all these things were at risk. And again, that, that was also the case with the Sony thing. Um, Obviously, you know, the, the thing that we kind of care about is that, is those Game of Thrones scripts, right? Like, oh, we want to know what's going to happen, and that's all really interesting. But I wonder, and I want you guys' perspective on this, like, in the wake of the Sony hack, where that was such a big deal, how how does this happen again? Like, it, I, th- that's this is what, what I was trying to figure out. It doesn't make any sense me. to me. This is what scares yeah. me about security in general, right? We talk about how important it is. We talk about how important OPSEC is, how important inf- information security is, how mu- how important, like, data protection is. We see these terrible things happen to companies like Sony. We see, you know, massive hacks like the Ashley Madison hack. We see really big, um, you know, Yahoo, the, the big exposures all the time. What is it going to take for companies to actually start taking this stuff seriously and to not store um, employee data on information that is, would be somehow reachable through the same set of codes with, with you know, scripts? Because let's be clear, like... Those are you very have, different things, yeah. They're very different things. And one should be protected in a way that others shouldn't. Like, what is it going to take... For companies to actually do security the right way, and and how are, are they ever going to be held accountable for that? Because if yeah. I'm an employee at HBO, past or present, like this is a lawsuit waiting to happen, just like the Sony one was. You know, mm-hmm. like just if like my, Ashton my, Madison. If, 
If, if exactly, but I'm really more for I'm thinking the employees. You know, like if, if my health information is potentially out in the wild, like that I'm suing. Like I don't care if you're my employer. Like I'm I'm, I'm suing because this isn't okay. Yeah, how does I mean, this happen? I feel very strongly that I mean, and this is a bill I want to get passed in Congress. Is like if you're keeping. If you're choosing to collect a lot of personal information about people and you don't follow like best practices to keep it safe, and this isn't like outer space, like year 3000 level stuff. It's like salt and hash your databases. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, use complex passcodes. Like, you know, don't just have ASCII characters, you know, like very, very common sense stuff. And if they're not going to do that, like, I, I completely agree with you, Christine. This is a lawsuit waiting to happen. My first question when I, I read about the, you know, Orange is the New Black, uh, yes. you know, hack a while back, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, you guys that was a, have probably That was a third-party had, production company. Yeah. But, uh, like, when I am sent, like, I got advanced uh, copies of The Expanse because I happen to know the, uh, you know, the writer and producer of that show. Um like, there was a ton of encryption security around, like, downloading those episodes. Like, it was right. a complete pain in the butt to get. I don't understand why, you know, if HBO has the quote, like, we're doing everything <laughs> humanly possible to keep our stuff safe. I'm like, why isn't this stuff, like, encrypted? Why aren't you sal- right. assaulting and hashing Why, why aren't you like, storing things not. in separate servers? Right. Why, why, why yeah. are keys from one server letting you get into another? Like, why is your Absolutely. employee information and why is is your marketing documents, why are they in the same place? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, why it, don't you it, have it, File Vault? Like, why exactly. is that even a format someone else can read without the, you know, uh, the pair keys for encryption? Yeah, I mean, and part of that is because that makes it hard across network systems. And I can understand that and, like, empathize with the difficulty, especially if you're not a, a a technology company of understanding like the intricacies of that stuff. But if you're a big enough organization and, and, and HBO is, is a division, frankly, it's the most profitable division of Time Warner. You know, AT&T is, is in the process of trying to buy Time Warner right now. Like HBO corporate, this was, this was a couple of hours ago is trying to reassure us uh, staff uh, that, that their email um, inboxes were not implicated because let's be real as bad as, as any of the health and, and private and banking information stuff is. And that's all terrible. The stuff that would like get people fired <laughs> is what's in your inbox. Yeah. And it says, as promised, I want to update you on our recent cyber incident where we currently stand. There has um, been, and will continue to be an enormous amount of speculation in the media. It is important to understand that as is often the case, things you read may very, very well not be true, but yet, okay, that's oh, anyway. Uh, many people have expressed particular concern about our email system. At this time, we do not believe that our email system as a whole has been compromised, but the forensic review is ongoing. We are also in the process of engaging an outside firm to work with our employees to provide credit monitoring, and we will be following up with those details. God, that's the least you could do. Meanwhile, continue to do the excellent work which defines the company across all departments, blah, 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 blah. Uh. But like... You know, but that that that's basically much ado about nothing. Like what I'm getting from this is that that's expensive, and that maybe they should have prevented this rather yeah, than exactly pay a, an outside company to help their employees mop up the damage that is exactly. not their fault. No, well, precisely. I mean, like Sony had to do that sort sort of thing too. I remember what was famous with the Sony hack, and I think we might have even talked about it on, on Rocket at, at some point. But and I, I I'm not saying HBO had this position at all because there's no evidence to the that they have. But I remember what was so stunning to me about the Sony hack was that there was information that was kind of found where the where their chief security officer had given interviews about why it wasn't that important to pay for security stuff to have <laughs> the most hardened security because Ooh. the risk 
was was the 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 the, the cost benefit analysis didn't really match. Hmm. I think now that this has happened enough times, if you're an entertainment company or if you're any company, but if you're an entertainment company, you can't start you can't make those decisions. If you're a multinational and you have you know hundreds or thousands of employees, like this isn't something that you can just do willy nilly. Like you need to pay to have people securing your stuff, and I think that at the very least you know, employees deserve that. I mean, we've seen this with government employees too, where information has been, has been hacked and has been leaked. And, 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 you know, once the social security numbers are out there and all the credit monitoring stuff in the world doesn't make it any less of a pain in the ass um, Mm -hmm. for you to protect yourself against identity theft. Like it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, part of it is, is like, of course I'm like, Oh, what's going to happen on game of Thrones. Like I am like genuinely curious, but I look at this and I just think, how does this happen? How does a company allow, after the Sony hack, how does a company allow this sort of thing to happen again? Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. It's definitely telling. I mean, obviously, Game of Thrones is the SEO hook that will get people to read an article. But it's also very much dominated, like, all discourse about this rather than that really sucks for all the people whose information got leaked. I don't think you would even know yeah. that if you, you were just browsing headlines. No, you wouldn't. You would just be like, oh, well, what's going to happen on Game hey, of Thrones? Let's find out. Game of Thrones gossip. I mean, I will say right now, I haven't seen leaks, links anywhere like on mainstream sites. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there might be paste spins or whatnot, but I haven't seen it spread around the same way you did with the Sony hack. They seem like they're doing it more contained, but that's only now. You know, it's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, and, and, and it doesn't seem like they even know how, how deep this really goes, which is really scary. Yeah. Yep. Well, Brianna, oh, what are you up to this week? Uh, so, guys, I just looked at my calendar, and apparently I'm leaving the country tomorrow. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right, have so, fun. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah, I'm about to, like, go pack and get ready to go to go to a conference on tech. So, uh, yeah, uh, so that's what I'm up to. Uh, we also opened my first campaign office this week, which is so freaking real. It's surreal. Like, I've... I tell you guys, like, I have been an indie developer so long that to have to get up at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning and do my hair and, like, put on a dress and go to an office and, like, sit down at a desk and, like, have my own phone there and my own computer set up, it's weird. It's really weird. Uh, It's a different feeling. (laughs) <laughs> it's just I don't know, Simone. I don't that. know if I like it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've like uh, what I'm trying to do is, you know, part of my lifestyle is I keep everything on two devices on my iPhone and my 12 inch MacBook that has to do with email. So I'm like trying to figure out how the frack I hook up a 12 inch MacBook to uh, a 27 inch Apple ACD <laughs> to get it to go because it's HDMI to uh, not Thunderbolt, but to mini display. So yeah. I've got like 40 different conversion cables from Amazon that are coming tomorrow. It's like, it's going like, okay, you'd use Apple's $70 port out, and then that goes into HDMI over to DVI, and that goes DVI to mini DVI, and that goes over to this, and that has a female to female connector between the two. So hopefully, this is traumatizing me. This whole conversation is I know. frightening. It's just. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the sacrifices you make when you try to work in an office. And, um, <laughs> just trying to be safe. Just try to protect just yourself. To. Christina, right. what are you up to? 
So I got my new iMac. Yay. Oh, um, finally it arrived and I got it set up this weekend and installed and everything. Um, it's hot in Seattle right now. I'm blaming oh, Simone, mm-hmm. even though it's not her fault. Um, no, it does. It'll it only does. be hot for a few days. Uh, so that's okay. Um, yeah, you know, uh, just, just doing the work thing, um, is still kind of settling in with, uh, with, with, figuring everything out. Uh, one thing I do want to plug, I'm not sure how often I'll be doing it, but I'll, I'll be doing it at least once more, maybe, maybe more than that. But, um, uh, Microsoft has a, a video channel called channel nine. So channel nine.msdn.com. And it's kind of like our YouTube. And, um, I, uh, I did a, a little show uh, that we talked about a while back for, for the platform that, that I work on. But, uh, my, uh, my colleague Beth and I actually hosted, they do a weekly show called this week in channel nine, where you kind of go over like the biggest Microsoft stories in the week. Ooh. And, uh, we hosted it last week and, uh, we won't be hosting it this week because we have a, a conflict, but, um, I, I will be hosting that more often in the future, so that's kind oh, of fun. Exciting! Do you have a link that to that awesome. that I can? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. Sweet. Uh, I'm going to Portland this weekend, so Christina, rest assured, I'm getting a taste of the heat wave that is apparently afflicting the Northwest because it is historically hot in Portland right now. It's like 109 degrees, I yeah, guess. I was going to say it's like the hottest it's ever been, like in the history of the world, right yeah, now, I hate or something. That. I hate it a lot. Um, it makes me sad that I'm leaving New York for that hellhole. Um, and I proposed Austin, and I know that it would be the same hotness, but you know what? It's normal there. It's not normal in the Pacific Northwest. And as you are learning, Christina, people don't have air conditioning. They don't have air conditioning, but you know what? At least there's no humidity, because in Austin, you would have hella humidity, which would be really bad. Aust- I thought Austin was a dry heat. I'm, I think there's humidity in Texas. I don't know. Maybe um, I'm wrong. Well, all of, listeners, write in. Let us know if there's humidity in Texas. Uh, I'm pretty sure so, Portland Simone, is going to be humid as hell. You yes. cannot move on. You've got to plug some of your Polygon video yeah. content because oh. <laughs> it's some of the funniest s ever. It's so good, it yeah, is it amazing. Is. Yeah. Uh, this week, me and my coworker Pat uh, oh, lip synced so a segment from our podcast, or Nick and Polygon's podcast, which Nick and Griffin do, Cool Games Inc., uh, where I play an AI teen who is trying to learn how to drive, and Pat is my driving instructor, and it is the most fun I have ever had in my life is uh scream lip syncing these lines and it was really funny thank you i was wearing that dress that night when i went to sleep no more and i'm hoping that one of the actors from sleep no more will see my video and be like i know her it was that masked beauty from the show uh i will never speak to her because i'm shy that's what they'll say i'm sure so anyway, but watch the video. It's very funny. It's It'll be in the no, show it notes. it really is. Yeah, put that in the I, show notes for sure. It was so, I mean, from my perspective, Simone, like I, you know, the the video content I first saw from you was like you and Courtney like messing around, you know, back in, uh, you know, back in Seattle. Uh, and it's just, it's so cool to see how much you've grown at Polygon. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's so cool to see you thriving It's there. really cool that like of the, the, stuff that I was able to do at Pixelkin, which I super enjoyed. The stuff that is most relevant to what I'm doing now is the very weird off the wall skit yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. makes me super, super happy. I'm very lucky that <laughs> making weird faces, because I'm really good at that, is my job. 
Uh, so update, Simone. Uh, humidity in Austin, Texas, as of today, as I'm looking at this, which is, it's right now probably like... Uh, oh, boy. Um, it, it's like uh, 9 p.m. there, 9.30 there, uh, is 81%. What? <sighs> mm-hmm. What? So for, for, versus, versus 30% humidity in Portland. So um, even though it will be very hot, at least you won't have 81% humidity. The world turned upside down. <laughs> I mean, although you would have AC in Austin, so I guess it's a trade Thanks for but. looking that up for me. You literally just destroyed my entire life. Um, <laughs> well, that's the show. Where can I find you online, Christina? You can find me at uh, film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, uh, et cetera. Do follow me on Instagram because my Instagram stories, I'm not doing them. At, I'm trying to get more consistent. I'm also on Snapchat, but I'm using Instagram stories more. So follow me on the gram because uh, I am trying to do interesting stories every day about uh, mundane life things and also just, you know, funny stuff. So follow me on the gram, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, Snapchat, whatever. Film underscore girl. Do it. Brianna? <laughs> Uh, well, you can find me on the Twitter machine where my Twitter is going ridiculous right now because Patton Oswald, Chelsea Clinton, and Sarah Silverman oh, have gosh. all retweeted something wow. I tweeted about reproductive uh, rights. So my Twitter is get ready to bleep this right now because <laughs> every single anti choice man is sending me tweets right now. So it's awesome. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, so if you can send me positive tweets there or send me DM suggestions for Simone in my campaign videos, you can do that at Space Cat Gal. Yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. And, of course, all of my videos at YouTube.com slash Polygon. It's a good place with good, funny people. And, of course, you can find this show's reviews on Apple Podcasts where you can also leave one of your very own. Yeah, folks, <gasps> your own review. You can leave it at you Apple can Podcasts. Do it. It's a great move. It changed my life. Uh, when I gave the show a five-star rating, I immediately saw effects, <laughs> a ripple effect throughout my whole life. And that, I think, has made me the person that I am today. And I'd like to see other people be me. Like, that's <laughs> what I want from the world is to walk outside and look at the people on the street. And they're all me. Every single one of them is me. Because they did the right thing. And they stood up for what's right. And they left a review and a good rating for Rocket and Apple Podcasts. That's why the city is such a beautiful place. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs> <laughs>